This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up? Welcome to the Spellco Radio postgame show. The Iowa Hawkeyes just beat the number eight Minnesota Golden Gophers 23-19. to It's DCM with Jerry Sherwin. Jer, what's your immediate reaction to Iowa upsetting number eight and formerly undefeated Minnesota. There's nothing better DC than waking up to the smell of bacon. And that's what I feel like right now. Uh, I said it this week on the, sh- on the show that I had no doubt in my mind that Iowa because there's nothing, there's nothing that matters anymore. I was not playing for anything. So of course they're going to come out guns blazing. They're going to come out here and try to prove a point to quiet everybody down. And what did they do? They come out and score touchdowns on their first three drives. Yeah, they they looked really good. It was what we all kind of thought was going to happen. It was I was just going to say, you know what? You guys want to see an offense? Here's an offense. After everything's been been played out, you can't win the West anymore. And we're just going to take it to to a rival and take keep that pig, which is great to see. But it's also, as I tweeted, it's insanely frustrating and pleasuring at the exact same time watching that offense in the first half. It absolutely is, and it's the, that was the hardest part for me, and I'm sure it was for a lot of Hawkeye fans because you want to be excited, like genuinely excited, because they finally seem to like do the things that we've been asking them to, especially in that first half. And then like just but in that back in the back of your mind, there's just like that little like cynic talking to you and telling you like, well, doesn't really matter. A day late and a dollar short could have happened a week ago. Wisconsin's defense didn't look very good today against Nebraska. Why couldn't you keep going vertical against them? It's just those types of things that keep going through my mind. But at the end of the day, we have one of the most important and beloved trophies staying home and we have to just go with that for now. Absolutely. You got to take what you can get when everything's when you've blown everything else throughout the season. You got to take what you can get and that's keeping Floyd home for another year. Here's the thing. So we we were all very happy with where the offense was in the first half, but then they flashed Nate Stanley's passing yards in like the fourth quarter and it kind of it seemed very low to me. Do you know what he finished with for the day, Jer? I'm going to guess 275 yards. 173. That doesn't seem right. Right? That seems very low. For he all was the, all the 14, 14 completions for 173 yards, two touchdown passes. Tyler Goodson had 94 yards rushing by himself. He had that in like the first 15. quarter. He was 65 yards from five or six carries at one point. Yeah, I mean, 94 yards and 13 carries. <laughs> that's crazy. And it's just proof that that's the type of running back that works in this day and age in that zone running zone blocking scheme. It's a guy who's fast, who has an explosion off the line. And can and can beat guys on defense to the spot he's supposed to be in. Totally, I love Mackay Sargent. I love all the, the the bigger Iowa backs in the history. But like this game's gotten a lot faster, and you need to match speed for speed. Totally. Since Akram Wadley has come to town and started for the Iowa Hawkeyes, like that, that's the type of back that they need to keep going with. Because if we're going to keep running this type of offense, which at first 
Brian looked to, to have taken over this thing and expanded the offense a little bit. But if we're going to keep running this offense, you need a guy that's decisive, one, and two, has the type of speed to hit the hole when it arises immediately. Like, I know that there's a patience level that they, they say that you need, and Makai had that to start the season. But Tyler Goodson seems to have that, plus the speed to actually be able to make this, this type of offensive run game successful. So props to him. He finally got the start. It was much deserved. But I still want to go back to your point about the Nate Stanley uh, stats. I'm shocked by that number. But at the same time, this might have been Nate's like best overall quarterbacking day outside of Ohio State. And I don't think the stats prove that. But the way the ball was coming out of his hand, the way he was reading receivers, the way he was throwing them open instead of throwing at them, which he's been doing, in the, especially in the three losses, that's what Nate would, would do. Um and on top of it, that drive in the fourth quarter, or I'm sorry, yeah, the fourth quarter to get that field goal, that's something that I was never been able to do when they have that type of situation is actually get down there and get some points uh, to make that a two-score game. So I think, once again, Nate put a, his best foot forward, put some good tape down, and that was one of those things that people are going to show when he it gets to the NFL draft time. And on that drive in the fourth quarter, he extended the drive by gaining that first down and that big play and keeping it alive with his feet. Yep. And that's something that I think everyone knows he's not the most mobile, especially after last week's failed two-point conversion. But he still has a little bit of – he's a he's good a enough runner where he can make guys miss. He, can, he knows where to go. He knows how to get there. He's going to take some beating for some of those sacks he takes. And quite frankly, some of it's some of it's him, some of it's the offensive line, and, and just and the defense just scouting Iowa, knowing that they're weak up the middle, third and long, let's send the house and make Nate kind of react to that, which he's not necessarily the most graceful guy all the time, so he's going to lead fall in the sacks that way. Yeah, yeah. And it, so on the flip side, to Nate's kind of pedestrian passing numbers, but looking really in command of the offense, Tanner Morgan. We care to guess how many passing yards he threw for. He threw four today. Uh, that's he's he's way way up there. He was like it just seemed like every time I would score, they would kick off. Minnesota would start at like the 20, 25 yard line, and then they were in Iowa territory within a play all game long. And those were like thirty five to fifty yard chunks. So I would say he was probably around three twenty five. Three sixty eight. Yeah, that's right. And to me, what I, the big takeaway from that is. Again, this was we talked about it in the Iowa State game. This was a very bend don't break Iowa defense performance, right? They stayed in zone. They let Tanner Morgan kind of find those holes in the zone, go downfield. But then once it got down in the red zone, they basically said, "Minnesota, you can't. You're not going to find a spot to throw down here." And then, oh yeah, you have a crappy kicker, so you're going to go for it and not get any points out of it at all. And this was, I mean, this was again a normal, a normal. Uh, uh, Iowa defensive performance, totally. right? It was what you always see. AJ AJ Epinesa with a huge game defensively. Good call by you. A monster in that last drive that Minnesota tried to had to make a comeback in. Um, and it just it was your bend but don't break. They're going to give up a ton of yards in that style playing a defense. We've seen it with Lovey Smith. We've seen it from Norm Parker and Phil Parker. Right? It's just making plays. The one thing this defense lacks, and you saw it a couple times a day, is that playmaking ability to to actually turn turn the ball over. There was two missed opportunities for interceptions. There was the strip sack that, I mean, you can't really blame anybody for not picking that up because there's no muscle around in the area. But they force the turnovers or they're in their spot for turnovers. They just can't seal the deal. And that's, I think, the difference between this Iowa defense versus other Iowa defenses in the past. But still, good performance. You held the undefeated team in the nation with a great balanced performance uh, to under 20 points this game. Yeah. With that said, though, DC, they kind of did get that interception at the end of the game to seal the deal. 
That was a that was like a, one of those 50-50 balls that Riley Moss has gotten burned on. So props to him for actually coming down with that, ending the game. It was probably over no matter what. But the fact that he did do that, I, I think, goes to the point. Like what you're trying to make, though, is the fact that when Iowa does seem to get those types of turnovers, they're better off uh, wholesomely. But um, two to the defense, Christian Welsh. It's weird to say MVP. that like a defense that's like top 10 in the entire country is benefited from a guy, but he seems to be like that 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 budget uh slash uh Meyer type of defensive player where he brings a lot of energy and fire and it seems to just lift them up even more um when he's firing on all cylinders so it was good to see him back today too he's he's the Ryan Creener of the football team that's great great call Welsh is probably better athletically but yes yes but he's come he's never going to be the big name player but he's going to be that glue guy who everyone feeds off his energy and he's going to do everything right totally yep and to me, like there was parts in that first half where he was just the heart of that defense. AJ Epinesa played an absolutely amazing game, but Christian Wells without him plugging holes in the run game, keeping those keeping uh, Rodney Smith from really breaking off anything huge in the run game was a huge reason why Iowa won this game. Yeah, let me touch on that first half, particularly the first quarter, particularly starting the game with the ball off. I don't have the stats for this, and I might jot this down for something on Black Heart Gold Pants later this week. But I feel like the majority of the time when Iowa starts to like they want the ball and they want to press like their foot on the gas early, I feel like they are better off and they probably the record probably justifies them winning when they want the ball. They come out with the plan and they go right out there with their offense instead of the defense and set and, and set that those guys out there to actually set the game. And they did that today. They scored 20 points in the first half. They didn't score much after that. Still were under 26 points. If you didn't read my piece on Overreaction Monday this week, um, you should probably go check that out to understand what I'm talking about. But they came out there with a plan, and that plan worked. It put Minnesota in a terrible spot. They got out of their game for an entire half because they didn't expect Iowa to do that. And I think a lot of people do not expect Iowa to do that, so they should then do it more. You're totally right. You you hit the nail on the head, and you tweeted it during the game, I'm pretty sure, is... This is what you do with an offense when your defense is as good at stopping people as they are. We harped around the show this week. Yep, I stole that from you. Twitter again today. This is what do something, take some chances, take some risks. Because at the end of the day, if you trust your defense as much as Iowa trusts their defense, you you can be okay if you don't if you don't score every position. And look what happens with the playmakers, with the athletes, Goodson, Tracy, even I mean even Amir uh, Smith Marset had a great game. Also, just getting the getting the ball to these playmakers opens up the whole offense and lets these guys score points if you just trust them to make some plays for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing that I, I we've talked about a little bit before but kind of gotten away with with some recent losses, the, the amount of t- young talent that's on this offense is something that I think – like I'm going to absolutely. Let's just be honest. I'm going to totally sell myself on them this entire <laughs> summer. Like let's just be honest here. I'll sell myself on Petrus coming in and being an actual like more mobile Nate Stanley with a big arm. I'm going to sell myself on Tyrone Tracy being able to to just do exactly what he did today by coming up huge. Mir Smith Marset will be back. Tyler Goodson. I, I there was one point today that I almost almost tweeted out that he's our Jonathan Taylor. Ooh. Wow, he's, he's that good to me. That's a that's a bold bold take. But yeah, I mean, you're you're 100 right. And t- to give you kind of like I was this morning thinking about okay, post game show, 
let's get so get ready for this for mentally. My little brother was over at my place this morning. We were talking about the game. I was mentally getting ready to talk about, okay, is it time to get the guys next year more playing time this year to get ready to get ready for the season next year? Mm-hmm. So that means benching Nate Stanley, essentially, because you have enough freshman playmakers or younger playmakers behind it that coming back where it might be. It's worth the conversation if they had lost this game. Frankly, since you can't win the Big Ten West, can't get to the Indy, it still might be worth the conversation that we can go into next week on this week on the show. But I, I do like to your point, like there's so much talent offensively coming back next year that it's it's a shame that it take it took the tenth game of the season to get Tyler Goodson this involved in the offense. Yeah, I you're right. I think that's why Tyler Goodson got the start today, is because there's nothing left for them like what they're really playing for. They're not playing for a Big Ten championship. I think that plays a role, but I also think they finally realized, oh, his his speed is actually good if we want to keep running the ball the way we're running the ball. Sure, I hope they did realize that. Which which kind of brings me to the this whole Brian Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz thing. Do you think Brian took over today? Do you think this whole week Brian was like, Dad, this isn't working. You need to trust me now. Like, I, I was very adamant about it in that first half. And then I kind of went away from it because it looks like Kirk got his fingers on the offense in the second half because they were up by so much. I, it's hard. It's hard to not having any sort of inside or insight into the program, how that program actually operates. It's easy to just like take that how it looks on the field and say that. But I, to me, it's something we're never going to know the answer to until Kirk decides to leave, until he decides to retire. And if Brian gets the head coaching job, that's the only way we're going to be able to just determine the times in the past where did Brian get more control in that game versus other games. I, I truly don't like, I truly don't know. It was just so different the way we started this game. Right. It absolutely was. But it, it, part of me is is that what Iowa chooses to do against a Minnesota, against Ohio State? I mean, against these, like, bigger offense, like, versus Wisconsin, they're going to go do what they always do because it's Wisconsin and they feel like they're they're the same team as they are. And I think that's part of the problem half the time. But versus other teams where they're balanced attacks, they have a little bit more speed to them. Does he, does, do, does Kirk realize that, hey, we have to try to get ahead here early and try to make them one-dimensional? And I mean that's what Iowa did today. They made they yeah, absolutely. threw the ball 38 39 times today. I mean it's that's it, it could just be that. Like I it's something that we won't know until Kirk decides to leave and if Brian gets the head coaching job. Yeah, it's it just makes me wonder like uh, what the change was, who talked who talked to into the change. When did they decide? I just wish people had more access and the Ferences gave more access because I would just like if we had a Matt Nagy who would be able to kind of like just talk about what happened throughout the week to get to this point, it fascinates me because this this I know there were rocket black uniforms and it's gonna it was gonna be under the lights at Kinnick and there was just a lot of juice for that too. But Iowa's approach in that first half was totally different than anything else we've seen this entire season. And to me, I so badly and I'm so desperately trying to pin something great. On the fact on, on our future head coach because let's, there's no two ways between it for me, like this is Brian's gig, so I so desperately want this to be a Brian move so that I can have something to justify that is that selling process that we all eventually do in August. Uh, I will say this: if this is if this offense, the first half's offense comes back against Illinois, 
then yes, I'm willing to admit that Brian has gotten some control of this offense to close the season out because it, it then goes to the point of Kirk trying to set up his son to be named the next head coach. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I just had this. It just had this feel to me, and I'm probably reading way too much into it. Just had this feel that like this is it for Kirk, and like he's now handing the keys over, and that's exactly what they're gonna do. Brian's gonna put his best film on tape for these last couple weeks, and then the bowl game process will be his, and then Kirk's just gonna be like, maybe he'll go through with the entire summer and some and some of just the opening spring, you know, camp and stuff like that, but. I could see him doing a Bo Ryan and just making sure that like his guy Greg Gard, you know, aka Brian Ferentz, gets gets the nod and gets the opportunity for a full years of coaching. And just I feel like that's coming. I don't know why. I don't want Kirk to leave. I've talked to you all about this before. I'm very torn on the Ferences. I love Kirk very much. I get frustrated as a fan, and that's okay. It's okay for all of you. It's okay if you think I'm dumb, but I just have this <laughs> feeling that Brian's it's Brian's time. This was Brian's first half. It was a test. And maybe Brian gets a little bit more next week against Illinois, too. I mean, yeah. I mean, it sounds great, right? It's We're all about the story. And I think we, we're all like, about the pitch. You and, I, you and I especially are all about our suckers for stories. Mm-hmm. Suck, sucker for storylines. And that's a great storyline. An absolutely great storyline. That's and why I, I love and, wrestling. Right. It's, it's a, like all of that. You have a good story. You might as well play it out and, and run it through that way. To me... We can have that conversation of, of when Kirk, if Kirk's going to pull a Bo Ryan in the summer, whatever. But to me, like, this was a great step, a great first step. Don't get me wrong. The second half, that you needs to be burned because you scored three points the second half. That yeah, was it. Great. And But the first half was great. Three touchdown drives on three opportunities. That's amazing. You get the, your athletes the ball in space, let them do, make them... Let them make plays. Tyler Goodson just showing off his speed and then his power running guys over into the end zone as a freshman was amazing to see. He was picking up blitzes when he was asked to pass protect. He was doing a great job all around. So hopefully he's okay when he comes back. But that's what we need to see the rest of this season to just instill, and to, as Jerry said, and that come August, come July, sell ourselves back into another promising Iowa season and not think back to the three losses versus other top top. 15 teams that the offense looked like absolute crap. Yeah, totally. So I'm kind right, of you. real quick before I real quick, I'm going up and down the team stats now. And I thought I like kind of what we talked about before. I, I really assumed Iowa did better offensively than they did today. And I'm just, I would, I would love to see the stats in the first half versus the full game. And that's, and I, I was hoping that they're there. I can't find them yet, but we could probably piece those together for Thursday's show. But like, if I were to tell you that Iowa had 290 yards and Minnesota had 431, and their time of possession they had about five, almost six minutes more of the ball, like you would assume that Minnesota won. But then I'm thinking about it, and they missed a field goal and an extra point, which makes us a tie ball game. Yep. So like, maybe this wasn't the best performance overall that we're like giving it right now. Like that's again, like this is the whole thing where you just go back and forth this Iowa Hawkeye team. This is a game you need to rewatch, I think, yeah. and, and really f- firm up that position. But it also shows how low the bar is. 26 points. Oh, yeah, it's it. not even 26 <laughs> points. You played, a good, you played a good half of football, and everyone was very excited. I have a whole timeline of gifts in my, in, on Twitter yeah. of people just celebrating, people being happy, right. a little confused, a little nervous still, but still overall positive. Right. We thought 40 For was on, we, thought we were on our way to 40. Right. 
for one half of football. That's the bar right now for the Iowa football. See, and that's really low. So then you just cut, and then this makes me swing back in the other direction. <laughs> this is this is life as an Iowa fan. And again, that's okay. It's just just fine. This is little, this is the life that we've chosen and the life that we've come to accept. Correct. Jerry, anything else to wrap up this postgame show? Uh, as always, this is my favorite trophy that they play for. I love the fact that we get to keep Floyd home. I'm sure a lot of you have that same sentiment. The, the trophy's so cool. A buddy of mine uh, who's here in New Jersey was watching the game just because he knows how much I care about it. He asked me about the trophy, said, you Iowans are really stupid. I kept telling him that he's absolutely wrong and it was a horrid take um, and tried to keep explaining why the pig means so much. But to each his own, we keep the pig home. Bacon's the best thing on the planet. Bacon's the best. All right. For Jer, I'm DC. Champ will be back with us this week as well. We'll talk to you guys again on Thursday. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Woo pig.